Hello, Glenridge family. It is an absolute privilege to be on your screens once again in our, in our lockdown period as a nation. And I trust what I have to bring to you today will be helpful, hopeful, and build some, put something into your hearts. And I really also hope you enjoy the, the new format that we've come up with in terms of uh, our Sunday morning uh, presentations. And I trust that it makes it more community, more voices, more faces in the mix, and trust that it will continue to help us build um, the kingdom as we go forward. Let me just remind you, first of all, before I get into my preach, about the time that we are in. Remember, we are in a time of faith. Let me, let me, let me give you a picture just to remind you just of the, of the, the time that we're in. There we go. Have you seen that? It's the faith sign at Glenridge Church. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's part of our decor and, and our, our presentation as a church in our building. Faith. And we've been in that series since uh, early December, uh, right through to the last few weeks. And God continues, friends, to ensure that we are taking ground and that we are a people of faith. And friends, no matter what context or what situation we're in now, that is still what God is speaking to us. We've got to be a people that are taking ground and that are expressing and building our faith for what God has for us going forward. And I just want to remind you that that is very much still the case, the agenda of God for us. Friends, because we're in lockdown, because there's this, this, this COVID threat, because there's this, uh, this situation, this panic, this fear that's around us, this uncertainty that's around us, friends, God is still speaking, take ground, God is still speaking faith. And I want to remind us, because that's the season that we're in as we go forward. Isn't it incredible that next, next week is Easter? Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. What beautiful timing in the midst of our lockdown or towards the end of our lockdown. Who knows what's going to happen going forward. But we have a reminder next weekend that Jesus is alive. Jesus, COVID did not take Jesus' life. Jesus is alive, the resurrected Jesus, full of authority, full of goodness, full of love, full of kindness, is still alive. And we're going to get to celebrate that next weekend and remind ourselves that Jesus is still good and still large and still in charge. Friends, I want to remind us that actually what God has called us to does not change. What Jesus has called us to does not change as we press through these times. It changes in the context of how we meet but in our hearts and our minds, it cannot change because God has spoken those things to us. We've got to keep pressing in towards them. I'm going to have a look at a text this morning. I'm not going to be an axe. And I'm sorry for that. We were like in one, two weeks in axe and now I'm already deviating. But I really feel like God has spoken to me through a text. And I'm, and I'm wanting to bring that out to us this morning because I feel like it's a word and season for us that are, that are in the place that we're in. As we journey, it is very easy for us to forget um, the faithfulness of God for our faith, for our hope to wane over time. It's been just over a week of lockdown now. And friends, we are, it's the beginning of lockdown. Now we can do this and we're having Skype calls and, and Zoom calls. And while a weekend, like, oh, sheepers, what's happening? The reality of what's going to happen after lockdown starts to come a little bit closer. The, 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 the realities of the imp and the implications of the season start to become a little bit more real. 
Uh, and, and friends, I want to say to you, this, this message has come out of a place where I've had to fight for my peace this week. I've had to really dig deep in God and fight for my peace this week. And I want to tell you why I've had to fight for my peace. Friends, I'm looking, I see people and people in our community and people around the world and in our city whose lives are being tossed to and fro from this. And I start to, I start to worry. I start to, I start to, the compassionate part of my heart, this starts to, to, to have compassion and I start to lose my peace. I, friends, when I start to think of our medical personnel and our police officials that are in our church, that are in our leadership team, in our church, part of that group of people, and the, the risk at which they're at, I start to, I start to lose my peace. Uh, when, I, uh, when I think of the health and the future of my own family, friends, what does that mean? How does it mean? I start to lose my peace. I can, I can easily lose my peace. On the financial side, I look at a church and church expenses... If I'm honestly real, I look at church expenses and, and the uncertainty of the times and I can lose my peace. Friends, if I look at station conferencing and how successful that's been for us to, to cover costs and rentals and utility bills and, and other expenses that come through the building. And now we've got no conferencing since the 16th of March. Friends, I can tell you right now, no income and lots of expenses. I can easily lose my peace. I look at the human and economic, the human, the economic, the social impact that COVID is having is enormous, friends. And when I look at that thing, I start to lose my peace. And then I start to think about, man, what happens if this thing goes on longer than we expect? And what happens if lockdown is more? And what happens if after lockdown, there's still months of no trading and no business and, and, and people are under major finance? What happens? Friends, what happens is when the reality of that starts to press in now, actually what happens is we begin to lose our peace. And I feel like this text, which was used a lot in the beginning as COVID was starting to unfold and the realities of it starting to unfold as it hit our nation, was used a lot. But what's happened now is I've gone back to that text and I'm starting to look at it with, with desperate eyes. I'm starting to look at it with different eyes. I'm starting to look at it with... Uh, with eyes that are going to another level and asking different questions because of the reality or the risk of me losing my peace in this moment. So friends, this, this preach, this, this message comes to you not from a place of head knowledge or theory. This place, this comes to you from a place of experience. And I trust that this will encourage you as we push through into this next season. Don't you feel helpless and overwhelmed? I do. Don't you feel like, what's going to happen? It's so uncertain. Well, all of us do. Let's trust that God speaks to us in this time. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. Let me get it for us. This is, this, this is the short passage of scripture in, in the book of Matthew, where Jesus calms the storm. But at the, the, in the NIV, it's called Jesus Calms the Storm. I think by the end of this preach, you could have another title there, and I'll tell you why. This is how it goes. Chapter 8, verse 23 of the book of Matthew. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. Let me just track back, backtrack there a little bit as we go through. Then he got into the boat 
and his disciples followed him. So you've got to know the disciples didn't do anything wrong. They followed Jesus like they should be into the boat. They were doing good. They were doing well. And without warning, without warning, isn't it a little bit like, like COVID? Without warning, all of a sudden, this thing within a few months, three, four months, the whole globe is overtaken by a furious storm called COVID-19. It says, without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. The waves were sweeping over the boat. So you can understand the picture here. Now the waves are coming. There's a furious storm. It wasn't just like high seas and, and the boat, the water of the lake wasn't getting into the boat. There was waves. There was, there was water splashing into the boat. They were being tossed around backwards and forwards. They were in a desperate storm and, and in desperate circumstances. They were helpless and they were overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed by the magnitude of the storm and they were helpless to, to do anything about the storm. But they were in the boat and look what the next portion of that verse says. But Jesus was sleeping. But Jesus was sleeping. In the midst of this furious storm that overwhelmed them, that suddenly came about upon them without warning, after following Jesus into the boat, Jesus was sleeping. Let's continue to read verse 25. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. That's very important. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. They went and woke Jesus up, saying, Lord, wake up, wake up. Look at us. We're going to drown. Save us. Save us. In other, in other, other um, gospels, it talks about they shook Jesus. They were terrified, and they woke him up, saying, the one, in fact, um, Mark says this. It says, it says uh, uh, they woke him up saying, Lord, we're going to drown. You don't even care about us. These disciples were in an absolute panic at this time. In verse 26, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Then the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What a phenomenal text, friends, to read at this time. And friends, what happened was, is I read that text and I started to see some things that started to put so much courage in my heart and almost give me a plan for how to get through this next season. And I want to share that with you this morning. It's interesting to see Jesus did not rebuke them for not calming the storm. That's interesting. He didn't say, you faithless idiots, you could have just said calm the storm. And you didn't. Jesus didn't rebuke them for not calming the storm. He rebuked them for thinking that they were going to die. He rebuked them for not having faith that they would live despite the storm. That's what he rebuked them for. He rebuked them for being fearful in the midst of the storm. And that's it. Suddenly I started to realize, friends, there's something deep here. Man, there is a reality and an authority that Jesus has and that the church has and that the people of God has. But in the storm of the, this scripture, God teaches us some incredibly amazing truths. 
Let's carry on. Friends, can I just say this? I know the authority that we have as the church to calm storms. So what I'm about to say is not to say, well, we haven't got authority to calm storms. However, let me not say however yet. I believe that the kingdom of God has come in Jesus and authority has been given to the church for us to partner with God by the Holy Spirit and to tell COVID, go. I believe that. But I don't think there's been a moment in the history of the church that globally so much of the church has been telling COVID to go in Jesus' name over these last few months. And COVID is still with us. And maybe as time goes on, and maybe as time goes on, God will orchestrate a moment in time where in faith and in unity in the faith, the churches will come together and declare COVID as dead and COVID will no longer be globally around and a great victory will happen. Maybe, maybe that is the case going forward. Or maybe God will work through a vaccine or a treatment that will come out and render COVID powerless to us and not infectious and not detrimental to us. Friends, all of these things I believe. I believe that medicine can come in and do that and God can use that. I believe the church has authority to speak to storms and say go. I believe all of that. But friends, the reality of the faith thing that we face now is that despite people saying be still and be quiet, COVID is still with us. So what do we do? Do we lose faith in Jesus? Do we lose faith in, well, God, you've told us that we can do that and nothing's happening? No, friends, we have another route to take. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. So what I have is I've got four questions for you from this text. Number one is this. What, is the, what was the faith trip meant to look like? Think about that. What was the faith trip with Jesus in the boat meant to look like? Well, first of all, the, I believe this is that there was always going to be a storm. It's not that the storm was unexpected. I, I think Jesus knew the storm was coming. So, so what should faith on this st faith-filled storm, faith-filled, uh, what's it, uh, storm-filled trip look like? What should it have looked like? Well, faith might look like them not panicking and waking Jesus up and saying, Jesus, wake up, Master, Lord, wake up, wake up. You can tell the storm stop. Now, please, will you wake up and just, I'm, I'm doing it in a panicked way. Actually, I think a better way to just go to Jesus and say, Jesus, Lord, please will you wake up? There's a big storm at ahead. Please can you wake up and tell it to keep quiet? Maybe that was the faith journey that they had to have. It wasn't out of fear. It was out of faith in Jesus. But friends, there's another alternative which I believe God spoke to me about out of this text. Perhaps faith should look like them waiting out the storm with Jesus sleeping in the boat. Perhaps faith in that moment would have been to just gotten cover, grabbed onto the sides of the boat, grabbed onto the ropes and all the whatever. And as long as Jesus was sleeping, to just sit in the boat and wait. Either until the storm stopped or until they got to the other side. And I want to explore that this morning, this today. Because I feel like that is the season that we're in now. We're not in a season of waking Jesus up. We've got a season where we've got to find peace in the boat where Jesus is sleeping and allow, this, allow ourselves to go through the storm and get to the other side. 
I think if they'd have fixed their eyes on Jesus while he was sleeping and not on the storm, they'd have just gone through the storm and got to the other side. And so when we talk about fix your eyes on Jesus, that's what it means. In this case, it's fix your eyes on a sleeping Jesus. If Jesus is not worried that he can sleep, friends, we, don't, we can sleep and not be worried. That's what I want to explore this morning. It's an incredible it's an incredible moment because when we're feeling helpless, we're feeling like we can't do enough, we're feeling like we haven't got enough resources. As long as we know Jesus is sleeping, it's going to be okay. My second question is this, and it's one that many people are asking at this time. Where is God in all of this? And I want to say to you, and, and before, I, before I tell you what, the disciples asked a similar question. In, in the book of Mark. They said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? It's like many people are asking now, well, where's God in this? Well, does God not care that we're going through this? Tell, tell me, where's God in this thing? Friends, I want to say to you this this morning, that Jesus is in the storm with us. Jesus is in the boat with us in the storm, and he's sleeping. We don't need to be worried. We don't need to be scared. He does care. In fact, we know he cared so much that he came to earth from the perfection of heaven and dirtied his hands on our behalf. And let me say this, more than dirty his hands, he bloodied his body and his hands on our behalf. We know this, Jesus cares. But Jesus in the mystery of all what is going on around us, we know this is that Jesus is in the boat with us. God is in the boat with us. We know this. Because we saw God have great compassion on people through Jesus when he walked around. Jesus, remember, was the exact representation of the Father. So what Jesus looked like, what he did is what God would have done in that situation. And we saw Jesus have great compassion on people. We've seen that in the life of Jesus. We've seen, we've got to know this, friends, that Jesus is busy acting. He is busy moving at the moment. We can't see him moving. We see Jesus sleeping. But God is setting us up for something profound in this next season. And he is acting. Don't think, ask the question, where is God at this time? Ask the question, God, what are you doing at this time rather? Friends, he is busy. He may not be acting the, in the way that we would want him to act, in the timing he would want him to act. But friends, I want to say to you that God is acting and he is moving profoundly in these times. Another question that might come up around this same topic is, why would we have such a storm? Where is God? Friends, can I just say to you, God's original plan, in God's original plan, there was no, God, there was no COVID. In the Garden of Eden, there was no COVID-19. But friends, we are not in God's original plan right now. We're in God's redemption plan and renewal plan right now. So things happen in this place and in this space and the age that we are in. He has launched his kingdom, but the battle cons uh, continues, friends. And I know that the battle continues, and I know that although the kingdom of God has come, the battle continues, is because I'm still not perfect. Believe it or not, friends, I'm not perfect. Heather thinks I'm perfect, but she's the only one that knows or thinks that I'm perfect. I can tell you right now, I'm still not perfect, although I am counted perfect in Jesus Christ, positionally. I myself am not perfect. Uh, friends, the kingdom of God has come, but we're still in the battle. 
Friends, I know that's the case because I am still moving towards a death. At best, it will be in old age one day. I will die. And the reason why I will die in old age is because the kingdom of God has come in Christ, but we're still in a battle to see the earth come into its fullness under the lordship of Christ. Friends, the reason why I know that kingdom have come and, and we're still in the battle is this, is that the world is still a mess, friends. Jesus was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago. The world is still a mess. There's still tons of evil all over the place. We're, the kingdom of God has come, but we're still in a battle, friends. People still die in this place. And not only do I know that I will die, that I know people will die in this place. In heaven, when the renewal of all things happen, there will be no more death. But in this time, there is death, friends. And so actually our response to this, the kingdom of God has come and there's battles to be fought, should be, let's make sure that people die in Christ and not in their sin. This is a question that people ask. Well, why would we have such a storm? Friends, I don't know why we would have such a storm. All I know is that in the perfect plan of God, there was not such a storm. But actually what we've got to know is that God's redemption plan and God's renewal plan has been put in place through Jesus. And we're fighting the battle to make sure with him, partnering with him to make sure that that plan comes into, into being and into place. Some people say this, but if God was real, surely God would or do this or he should do this. You know the reality of that, that question, friends. Actually, what we're saying is this. If I was God, this is what I would do. And the problem with that is that none of us are God. And so actually we don't know what to do or we don't know what should be done because only God is big enough, intelligent enough, wise enough to know what needs to happen in all of creation over all of time to make sure that the perfect plan of God is fulfilled. And we're not big enough to understand that or consume that or even live in that in the way that we do. But one thing I do know, friends, is that Jesus wept at Lazarus's tomb. So Jesus is a God of compassion. God weeps with our suffering. It says the Spirit of God groans as it waits in anticipation of the redemption and renewal. We know this is that in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the storm, the Spirit of God is groaning for the sons of God, for the redemption story to come to fullness and consummation. And we know this is that Jesus weeps at the death of his friends and at the death of his people. So this is how we know that actually whatever's going on, God knows. And there's some questions that we don't know the answers to. And there's some questions that we shouldn't be asking. We should be asking God, what is it that I need to learn? And we need to be asking God, what is it that you're doing in the midst of this chaos that we see ensuing before us? Friends, what's incredible about this, this group of people in this boat is that they were fearful because they did not know who Jesus was. They were fearful because they didn't really know who Jesus was. When he gets up and calms the storm, they say to him, man, who are you? That you can calm a storm. Remember, in those days, for you to calm a storm and to, to flatten the sea, man, you had to be a God to do that. And they look at Jesus and say, man, are you a God that you can do this? They didn't really know who Jesus was. In fact, in Mark, they call him a teacher. They don't even call him Lord. They say, teacher, do you not even care about us? We're about to drown. In Matthew, they say, Lord, at least. 
But friends, they didn't really know who Jesus was. And this is a moment, friends, when we watch the sleeping Jesus in the boat that we're in and the storm around us, that we've got to know who the Jesus is that is sleeping. And he calms the storm, I believe, not to, not to do anything else except to reveal to them who he was. The reason why he calms the storm, friends, because they could have, I believe, got to the other side without him calming the storm. But he needed to know, they needed to know who he was. And so he gets up and he calms the storm so that there'd be a revelation of who he is in their own hearts. Which brings us to our third question. What kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? This is the question they ask. What kind of man is this Jesus who gets up and calms the storm? Well, we know that the kind of man, we know what kind of man this is. We, we read the scriptures and we know what kind of man this is. He is the exact representation of God. He re represents God exactly. The Father who is unseen exactly. And so we have from the scriptures a knowledge of what this kind of man was, which they didn't have the privilege of knowing. So actually, for us that are in the boat with the storm around us and Jesus is sleeping, we need, we even more than them can have a place where we can hunker down in the boat and wait for the storm to pass or get to the other side because we know who this man is. We know more about who this man is than what they even knew. And this is what I want to say about this man. This man is perfect love. He always, always acts for our best. That's what love is. To act or to live for the best of another. And Jesus is somebody that always lives for the best of others. When he says he loves us, it means that he will always act in accordance with our best. Even if it might be painful, seemingly painful at the time. We know this is that he is good. That there's no evil in him. That he's not like shifting shadows that changes all the time. This is a good Jesus. This is a good God. We know this is that he has all authority and he is all powerful. Think about that. He has all authority and he's all powerful. He's sleeping, friends. If he's got all authority and he's all powerful and he's sleeping, you've got to, be, you've got to know this. We don't have to worry. We don't need to panic. We're going to get through this. He has got all knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. There's nothing that he doesn't know. There's nothing that he doesn't understand. Think of that, friends. This is the Jesus. This is the Jesus that is sleeping in the boat. Who is this man? This is this man that we are talking about. He has a plan for the earth. He has a plan for the globe. Through it, though, just think about this, friends. Think about this. Every bad or good decision that can possibly made, be made. Jesus isn't clever enough. He's intelligent enough. He's big enough to, to have a plan for any single decision that could be made, should be made, wasn't made, good or bad, so that his ultimate end can be brought about. This is how big he is. This is the Jesus that's in the boat with us. This is the God who came to earth for us. Friends, I want to say to you, there is lots of mystery in this. But I want to say this, the mystery is from our point of view. It's not from God's point of view. I'd like to do this little exercise with you. Can you do this with me? Can you take your hand and put it into a, into a tunnel like a telescope? 
And then what I want you to do is that I want you to take that and look, close your one eye and look through that hand and see what you see. And then move your hand away and see that what you don't see when your hand is like that. Put your hand like this and you see what you see. You only see a tunnel. You only see a little bit of the room. But as soon as you take your hand away, you see the whole room. Friends, that is something about this mystery. We don't fully see the whole picture. It's like we look through this little piece here and we look at an object or we look at something and it looks like something that we don't understand or it looks like something that we think it might be or might not be. But friends, actually God sees the whole room. The mystery in this process is our mystery. But that's where the character of God has to come in. We have to have a revelation about the character of God. He is loving. He is good. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is this incredible God. He is a kind God. He is a generous God. And when we understand the character of God, we can then put faith in the fact that even though we look at something and it looks like God is not involved and it looks like God is not on the game, friends, we know this is that God is on the game, but actually he sees a bigger picture than what we do. People will say this, what about those that will die through this? Friends, I can honestly say I don't know. I don't understand. And my heart breaks for those that are going to die in this process of COVID and that, those that have died, thousands of people around the world that have died. I don't understand. I'll know this though, is that my God is good. And that my God is super, super intelligent. And my God is super, super wise. Friends, for this thing I know, for those that are in Christ, for those that are in Christ, to die is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Man, to be in a resurrected body and to awake into renewed heaven and earth, man, I can't wait. I honestly can't wait for that moment when I meet Jesus with a new body and a new earth to live in, and new projects to do, and new work to do. I can't wait to do that. Friends, what that question of what about those that are going to die, what that should stir within us is the missional heart of God. And we should be saying, God, how can people die without knowing you? Instead of putting doubt on God's character, what should happen is that question should stir us into mission and say, God, how can I bring people to know you better? And people to know you more. Friends, our response in this time is absolutely key. So the first question was this. What was the faith trip meant to look like? What was that trip in faith? What was that trip meant to look like? The second question was, where is God in all of this? The third question is, what kind of man is this? And we tried to describe a little bit about who Jesus is. His redemptive, powerful, loving hand. And then the last question is this, what do we do at this time? Friends, the first thing I want to say about this is that we're all in the same boat. This is exciting. We're all in the same boat. Small businesses, big businesses are all in the same boat. The big businesses have just got big machines that carry big numbers and they go down quickly if there's no income. Small, small businesses have got no buffer and no cushion and so actually... They go down quicker. But friends, we're all in the same boat. This is what I want to say to us. Stay with Jesus. Stay in the boat that Jesus is in, and it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. The second thing I want to say about what we do at this time 
is this. I think at this time, we're not to wake Jesus. I think what we should be doing at this time is to get in the boat, button down, hanker down, uh, do what we can do, but don't have to wake Jesus in fear and let the storm pass. Friends, as long as Jesus is sleeping, it's going to be okay. He's all-knowing. He's good. He's wise. He's intelligent. So if he's sleeping, he knows something more than what we don't know right now. And actually, we're going to get through this. And I want to say to you, friends, we are going to get through this. We know who he is. If he's sleeping, it's going to be okay. Friends, I want to say it about that same thing. Let Jesus sleep. Friends, this is a moment to be all in. And I'm not talking about all in that church or all in that doing this. Friends, we've got to be all in in God. There's no other options, friends. There's no certainty for the future. There's no answers. There's no clear answers anyway. There's no real way forward. We don't know. It's uncertain. But friends, we know Jesus and he's sleeping at the moment. Don't wake him. Just allow God to give you the strength to get through the storm. As long as Jesus is in the boat, it's okay. We're going to get to the other side. The next thing I want to say about what do we do at this time is, when we get to the other side, there's going to be work to do. It's quite amazing. Jesus in the boat from the, gets to the other side through the storm. He quietens the storm. He gets to the other side and then there's the demoniac. This guy needs to be delivered. It was, he was scaring the people. He needs to be delivered. And because he gets delivered, a whole community comes to know the name of Jesus. So I want to say to this to you, what do we do now? Is we remember this, is when we get to the other side of this, there's work to do. There's the kingdom to come through your and my life still. There are regions and communities of people that need our presence and the good news of Jesus. There's still a good reason to know this, in fact, is, the good re is a great reason to know we will get to the other side. Is there's work to do, friends. We will get to the other side because Jesus is not finished with his church and there's still lots of work to do. The work we do then, friends, will be fashioned by the faith that is tested and built in the boat now. The work that we do then is going to be fashioned by the faith that is tested and built in the boat right now, friends. This is a faith building moment this is a taking ground moment in the spiritual realm if we start to see that friend this this moment that we're in is jesus's faith gym it's the gym that we're in of hard life and uncertainty and all these things that actually has got to build our faith for the work that he's got for us once we get to the other side when he wakes friends when he wakes We've got to do what he says. And if he wakes on the storm, during the storm, on the way to the other side, and he says, quiet to the storm, hallelujah. If he wakes and he says to us, Stan, you say quiet to the storm, and I'll say quiet to the storm, and the storm stops, hallelujah. But friends, if he doesn't wake and he sleeps in the boat all the way with us to the other side and we get to the other side and he wakes up then, that's also okay. That's also a God thing. Because if that's what Jesus would have done, that's what God would have done. The last thing I want to say about this, what do we do right now, is this. The other boats are watching. The other boats are watching. 
in the Luke version of the story, it says, that, it says this, it clearly says, it says there were also other boats with them. Isn't this interesting? So Jesus is in the one boat with the disciples in the storm, but there's other boats in the storm. There's other boats on the lake in the, in the same storm with them. I wonder what their reaction was. Was their reaction full panic? It must have been. They had no Jesus. I don't know. Jesus did, didn't rebuke the other boats. But he rebuked those that should have known better. He didn't. You see, Jesus then quietens the storm and rebukes the disciples. Guys, why are you so fearful? Do you not think that I know? Do you not think that I'm big enough? Do you not think I'm powerful enough to, to get you through this thing? There were other boats that were watching Jesus didn't rebuke them. He rebuked those that should have known better. Friends, what we do in the storm matters to the other boats. I just want to say this to us as believers, as the church. Our peace and our joy matters to the other boats around us. Our faith and our life and our posts and how we communicate and the language that comes out of our mouths and the, the way we live our lives, friends, matters to the other boats and has an impact on the other boats. When Jesus is in your boat, what you do makes a big difference to those that haven't got Jesus in their boat. And I want to say to us this morning, let's give them something worthy of taking their cue from. Let the church, in a season of faith, in a season of taking ground, give the cue to a world that doesn't know Jesus so that they can also get into his boat on the journey along. Friends, I conclude with that, and I conclude with this. If he waits on the journey... I've said it already, I want to say it again. If he wakes on the journey and says quiet, it's amazing. If he wakes on the journey and says us to say, tell the storm quiet, that's also amazing. But friends, if he doesn't wake and he only wakes when he gets to the other side, that's also amazing. Jesus is with us, friends. Let us not, and let, let us not wake Jesus at this. Let us not panic and wake Jesus in a faithless, fearful panic. Let us be a people that know our God and, if, and know this, that if Jesus is sleeping, if Jesus is sleeping, it's going to be okay. Just stay in the boat. Just stay with Jesus. Just keep your eyes fixed on him and take our cue off of him. And when he awakes and when he rouses and when he speaks, all things will change. Friends, that's the faith that we've got to have as a church. Bless you. Have an amazing day. I pray God's blessing, richest, richest blessing over every single one of you that are watching at the moment. I pray his healing hand, his protecting hand, his providing hand would be over you. This is an amazing Jesus. This is a good God. And I pray that he would do amazing things with us in this time, friends, in this lockdown time. I pray that God would purify us. I pray God would speak to us. I pray God would commission us. God would accelerate the processes of his working in our lives because of this confined time and it's going we are going to get to the other side can i say that again friends we are going to get to the other side jesus is sleeping it's okay bless you have an amazing day